Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Psalm chapter 78. I'm reading out of the NIV. It says like this, verse 1. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the what? Come on, say that like you, like you ate some breakfast. Come on, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. We're going to tell them the deeds, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation, there it goes again, would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and they would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. How good is that? Verse 8, they would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. Out of those eight verses, if you can, underline that, highlight it. I love it. I think it's so important. This has become one of my favorite psalms in the last couple of weeks as we were preparing for this Sunday. Out of those psalms, I want to preach today out of our fifth core value, our final core value. Legacy is our commitment to the next generation. Come on, say that with me. Legacy is our commitment to the next generation. Write that down if you're taking some notes, which I hope you are on a notepad or on your phone. Legacy. We're going to talk about our fifth core value. We've been talking about values for the past five weeks. Maybe you you came in about halfway. Maybe you, you jumped in at the beginning of this thing. But five weeks of values, five core values that we believe here in this community, in this house. And today we're going to wrap it up. It is, is We're finalizing the series today. I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed this series. I've loved this series. Talking about the values in our life. And uh, after this, we're getting ready because next Sunday is Palm Sunday, which is going to be incredible after palm sunday comes easter sunday which is going to be huge and then after easter sunday we're starting a brand new series and uh not going to tell you what it is yet come next sunday i'll tell you next sunday but it's i'm excited about the 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 series after easter it's going to be powerful it's going to be awesome it's going to be i think it's gonna be one of our favorites uh as we approach it's gonna be incredible but today legacy let's talk about legacy for the next few minutes and i pray that we leave out of here uh with our eyes on jesus knowing that he is a generational god anybody believe that Come on, can we close our eyes, bow our head, ask God to bless this time. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this place, this space, this sanctuary, this auditorium where we get to come in and worship you, give you all the honor, all the glory, all the praise. God, we thank you for what you're doing in the city of Miami. God, we thank you for, uh, God, this house. Thank you for what you're doing in Calvary, God. We pray for our Kendall campus, for our city campus, God. Continue to bless our campuses, bless our leaders, bless our teams. Thank you, God. You are so good, so awesome we have such a fun, life-filled church, God. And in the same way that you're blessing our community, bless the Miami Heat to stay in playoff position, and then uh, we make it to the finals. It is in Jesus' name, all God's people say. Come on, church, together, all God's people say. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, I'm talking about legacy. One of the things that I did is I grew up in church. I know I say this all the time, but I grew up in church. A lot of you may have already known that. But growing up in church, one of the things I always went to was summer camps. Summer camps. I know we got one. We got some youth up here. Some, we got our youth pastor up here. Phil on, by the way. 
summer camps, and they're getting ready to go to their summer camp July 2nd through the 7th, so if you have young people, sign them up. But summer camps were amazing. I probably have been to every single summer camp every single year of my life, of any church I've been attending. I would always go to summer. Have you ever, anybody in here, you ever been to summer camp? Let me see. A few people, a few people. Okay, summer camps are the absolute best thing in the world. It is about uh, maybe sometimes they're three days, four days, sometimes a week where uh, we just get away, especially young people, youth, get away, go somewhere in the middle of nowhere in some cabins, sometimes no ACs. Our buses don't have ACs. Pray for us. And uh, we just go away just to literally get away from friends, from family, and just focus on a week with God. And so I grew up going to a lot of these every summer. And uh, summer camps are amazing. We have a lot of a lot of fun. But I mean, some of those summer camps changed my life. I mean, just some incredible worship that happens that week, incredible teachings that either uh, some of the pastors would preach to us or some invited guests. And summer camps, I mean, you always have so much memories. The other day, we were a few of us were gathered together, and we were just talking about all the memories of summer camp. Every single year, something unforgettable happens at summer camp, and we love it. Apart from the good times of, of having worship and teachings and life-transforming moments, we also like to have fun at summer camp. If you've been to a summer camp, you know there's a lot of pranks at summer camp. There's a lot of things that go down at summer camp. I mean, it's just what young people do. Um, but there's also a lot of games. Nowadays, they're called triboards. When I grew up, they weren't called triboards. They were called games. And so we just played a bunch of games, and it's team building. It's all that. And one of the games that we played is like a relay race. Anybody know what a relay race is? Have you ever participated in a relay race? It's usually about two or more, sometimes four, five, six people, and uh, you have to go through different obstacles. And uh, one of the things that you have to do is that you hold a baton in your hand. How many of you have seen this, even in the Olympics? You have to run and hand it off to your teammate, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, sorry. I felt alone for a second. Like, great. So you're running with a baton. So, so we did this at summer camp one year, and it was about five of us that we had to do this. And the first person had to uh, hop in a potato sack uh, through uh, for a little bit. The second person had to grab the baton and run for a little bit. The third person, I think they had to go under some ropes for a little bit. And the fourth person, I forgot what they did, and they were the winner. Anyways, our team was doing amazing, and our second guy was, was really, really fast. And so the first guy does the potato sack, and he hands off the baton to our second teammate. The second teammate, I mean, this guy was fast. He was flash. Usain Bolt didn't have anything on him. This guy was fast. The problem was he got so excited and he went so fast that when it was his turn, when he finished his mark, when he finished the end of the race, he kept the baton in his hand, went off to the side. I think it was like by a bench or by a tree and sat down to catch his breath with the baton in his hand. One of my other teammates is screaming at him and running after him like, give me the stick. If you don't give me the stick, we don't win. I can't keep going. Everybody's laughing at our team. We were in first place. We ended up in last place. (laughs) Flash did us a great job. The point of the relay race is not just to go fast. It's to hand off the baton correctly. The better you hand off the baton, the more you empower your team to win. If you don't hand it off correctly, you can cause your team to lose. You know, as a church, as we're thinking about legacy, legacy is passing on the baton of faith to the next generation. It's saying, you know what, we've been handed something down from God and from our ancestors, and we're going to be faithful to pass this on to the next generation. I want to tell you today, church, that our church is not going to be a church that holds on to the baton of faith, but we're going to be a church that always hands off the baton of faith to the next generation. Come on, does anybody believe in what God wants to do in our young people? Does anybody believe that God is a multi-generational God? Come on, we serve a big God. 
We don't serve a God that only wants to bless our life, but we serve a God who wants to bless the young people's lives. We don't serve a God that only wants to work in our generation. We serve a God who wants to work in multiple generations. We have a multi-generational God. And as a church, this is something we are going to value. It is called legacy. Because we are not going to run for ourselves. We're going to run for other people. We are not selfish runners. We are selfless runners. We're not running this race of faith. When you believe in Jesus, the Bible puts it as kind of like a metaphor that we're all running in a race. We're not running this race on in it just for us looking at ourselves. We're actually selfless trying to pick people up along the journey, helping them to come run with us. So we're going to be a selfless kind of church. As long as we exist, we're always going to put our eyes on other people. You know, when you, become, when you become a follower of Jesus, you realize that life is not about us. It's actually about others. When you become a follower of Jesus, you realize that it's not a, how much you can gather. It's actually how much you can be generous. When you become a follower of Jesus, it's not about building your kingdom. It's actually about building his kingdom. The world is really busy building their name and their fame. And how much can I get? How much can I assess in my life? How much, how much can I gain in this world? But the kingdom of God, how many know it's the complete opposite? Is how much can I give away? How much can I build his name? It's not about us, but it's all about him. This is what legacy is all about. And we're going to be a church that is actually all about legacy. It is something that we value. It's something that we value. We've been talking about values for five weeks now. And if you haven't been here for the past five weeks, you can go on YouTube and check out the messages. But five weeks ago, we started this value series because we said, as a church, we have some things that we value that are actually very important to us. All of us have values in our lives. You have values in your life. Actually, you know what you should do? Maybe this week, you should gather your family together and say, what are the values of our house? There should be some values in your house. For example, growing up, one of the values in my house is everybody had to eat dinner together. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Mom, but I'm playing Nintendo 64. I'll be there to make it. If you don't come over here right now, te voy a pagar el Nintendo ese. No, no, nadie va a comer. We valued family time at the dinner table. How many know what I'm talking about? I appreciate that now because nowadays families don't eat together. Everybody's doing their own thing and I just, you know, pop a Pop-Tart in the, in the, in the, in the, in the what's it called? In the toaster and that's it. We valued family time. Every gather together. Something else we valued was church. I don't care if I was sick with a fever and dying. I was getting up and going to church. I, there was no discussion. There was no questions. I was going to church. We had values. And I'm like, what are the values in your family? What are the values in your marriage? What are the values in your home? You should write some down. And as a church, we got together and we wrote some values of this house, of this church. And five weeks ago, we started with our first one, our most important one, which is Jesus. Come on, somebody say Jesus. We said Jesus, he is the center of this house. He's the center of our lives. That's our first core value. We love Jesus. Everything we do is based around Jesus. We worship because we love Jesus. We come and we serve because we love Jesus. We come and we believe that God's going to give us multiple campuses because it's all about Jesus. Number two, the second core value. Does anybody remember what was it? People. No people. People. Ah, people. You're going to call people. No, people. That was really corny. I don't even know why I said that right now. But People. People are the cause of our church. People are the cause. This is our second core value. We love people. Everything we do is also because we love people. Why, why do we have five services on Sunday? I mean, right now we're cutting down to four, but we're going to open up at 6 p.m. Why? Because we love people. We want to give them multiple chances to come in here, hear the good news of Jesus, and lives get restored, marriages get fixed, people get set free. Come on, because we love people. Easter, why are we doing so much things around Easter? Good Friday, Saturday helicopter drop, Sunday four services, because we love people. 
Where are we going to fit so many people? We rented a huge tent with air conditioner to fit as much people as we can because we want people to see Jesus. People. The third core value is generosity. We talked about generosity. If we want to see God do something mighty in our city, we believe that he wants, to use, he wants to use you and me. He wants to use our gifts, our talents, our resources, our time. We said that generosity is a catalyst of our vision. And why do we go over and above? We have some volunteers here that, who stay here all day. We tell them, go home. You've already served in one service. Go home. No, I want to keep serving. Why? Because they're generous with their time. They're generous in their gifts. Number four, last week, how many were here last week when we talked about excellence? We said excellence, it is the culture of our house. We're to be people who always excel, who always go over and above. And today we're talking about legacy. Legacy is our commitment to the next generation. Five core values that we love as a church. Five core values that we believe in. I love that we value the value of legacy. I believe it's extremely important. Maybe you're here sitting in here like, well, Alex, what do you mean by legacy? Well, Merriam-Webster Dictionary puts legacy as something that has been passed down to you from an ancestor that you are going to pass down to somebody else. A gift that has been passed down, something that has been passed down to you. And I was looking up several definitions, and I like the way this one came together. It says it like this. Legacy is living to serve a, greater, a cause greater than your own in order to leave something of value that will outlive our lives as a contribution and remembrance for others to do the same. Wow, I said, man, that's so good put together. Living to serve a cause greater than our own in order to leave something of value that will outlive our lives as a contribution and remembrance for others to do the same. We are going to be people of legacy. We're going to live beyond ourselves. We're going to serve a cause greater than our own. It's not our name. It's his name. It's not our kingdom. It's his kingdom. Legacy is important. Why? Because life is short. How many know life is short? Life is extremely short. If we think about it, a hundred years from now, probably none of us are going to be in this room. Whoa, that, that's a little bit of a shocker, I know. If you do the math, you're going to be like, well, yeah, 160, 170, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to live that long. Yeah, none of us are going to be alive a hundred years from now. So how can we keep the work of God going? It's by leaving a legacy and leaving a remembrance, a contribution for the generation to come. The Bible says this in the book of Psalms, chapter 90, verse 12. It says this, it says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. God, help me to be wise. You want to be wise? Then we have to remember that life is short. So easy we get caught up in this life and we think we're going to be here forever. But we have to realize we're here today and gone tomorrow. Psalm chapter 90, teach us to number our days. God, I want a heart of wisdom. And with the heart of wisdom comes a heart of legacy saying, you know what? Everything you've given me, God, I'm going to get to the next generation. We want to be people of legacy because all of us are going to leave something. You're going to leave something behind. What are you going to leave for your children? What are you going to leave for your children's children? I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about what is the legacy you're going to leave. How will people remember you by? The question is not if you will leave something. The question is what will you leave behind? The Bible says this in the book of uh, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. It says a good life gets passed on to grandchildren. That's awesome. A good life gets passed on. Anybody wants to leave a good life to your grandchildren? That they'll remember, they're like, man, my grandfather, my grandmother, they were awesome. I remember they left an awesome life. The legacy they left behind is incredible. Look at the Bible says in the book of uh, Psalm. I think we have one more. Proverbs chapter 13. Oh, there we go. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. Long remembered. I don't know about you, but anybody want to hear about to be long remembered? I mean, I'm talking about your children's children's children will remember their great-great-great-grandparents will say, that was a man of God. That was a woman of God. I remember them. The righteous will be long remembered. You want to leave a good legacy? The legacy we leave is the life we lead. The legacy we leave is the life we lead. How are you leading your life? I heard somebody say this. They said a good legacy is the residue of a well-lived life. Whoa. 
A good legacy is the residue of a well-lived life. How are we living our life? Let's live lives that inspire the next generation. I don't know about you, but I want young people to come around me and say, man, I believe in your God. I see the faith in you, and I want to serve God with that same faith. I see the God that does miracles in your life, and I want to serve that God. I want to believe God for that miracle. Come on, let's be a church that we raise up the next generation with a generation of faith, a generation of eyes to believe God for big things, a generation that has their head held high, knowing that God is for us. Psalm chapter 78 is such a... A beautiful psalm. I read this a few weeks ago, and I fell in love with this psalm. It was actually written by a man named Asaph, and a lot of him, a lot of people believe he was the choir director for David. Either he wrote these words down himself, or sometimes he transcribed what David used to tell him. And here he's writing just such an important psalm. It is actually the second longest psalm in the book of Psalms. The other one is Psalm 119, which is extremely long. And if you want to have fun reading it tonight, it's very long. But Psalm 78. It is actually so beautiful. I mean, when I started reading this, tears came to my eye because this is such an important psalm. I want you to go home and read it. We only read eight verses today, but go home and read the rest of it. It is such an important psalm because here the writer of this psalm, what he's telling his people is, listen, because I'm about to tell you something so important. What I'm about to write down is extremely important. What I'm about to write down is actually to your benefit. I want you to hear me out because he's talking about legacy in Psalm chapter 78. He's talking about the next generation in Psalm chapter 78. And we must listen to what he's saying. What he's actually going to do in Psalm 78, he's going to retell the story of what God did with the people of God. He's going to tell them how he freed them from Egypt. He's going to tell them how he opened up the Red Sea. How many know that we just don't have a legacy that just came up today? We have a legacy that comes from years ago. Number one, if we want to be people of legacy, I want you to write this down. Number one, people of legacy, value the legacy of our past. We have to learn what God has done. If we're going to be people of legacy, we have to value the legacy of our past. Learn what God has done. In other words, we just don't gather because we want to gather and we came up with this idea a couple of weeks ago and hey maybe a couple years ago hey let's just gather as a church we think that's a good idea no there's a legacy that we come from that comes from 2,000 years ago a savior that came down and he he actually birthed the church through his birth through his death and resurrection and there the church took off and this is where we're at today and it goes way back further than that a God who created a people a nation of Israel and out of that nation of Israel comes you and I we are the inheritance of God We have to learn what God has done. And here the psalmist, look what he says in the first three verses. He says, my people, hear my teaching. He's writing this psalm down. And he's saying, this is extremely important. He says, my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. Like Chris Tucker, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? He's saying, understand, this is important. What I'm about to write down, it is extremely important. I want you to hear this. So go to verse 2. He says, I will open my mouth with a parable. I'm going to utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. He says, I'm about to write down some some hidden things. I'm about to write down some awesome things. I'm about to write down some things that you know. And I want you to pay attention to this. Things that our ancestors have told us. I don't know about you, but this makes me think of people who passed on their faith to me. This makes me think of people who shared the gospel with me. This makes me think of people who said, Alex, you have to go to church. People who, like my parents, that every Sunday morning at 7 o'clock in the morning, they were waking us up, blasting Marcos weed as loud as they can. And they said, you're going to church. I appreciate it because today the faith I have comes from the faith that they had yesterday. Come on, does anybody appreciate that somebody shared the gospel with you? He goes, things you know and things you have heard. 
Come on, some of us in here, we've heard some things and we know some things because somebody shared the gospel with us. You have to know the faith that which you stand in. We're, not, we're talking about legacy, but the only way to leave a legacy is to understand the legacy that we come from. He says, I'm about to retell the history of what God has done. I wonder how many of us truly believe what God has written in this Bible. How many of us truly get in this Bible and say, God, you know what? I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to, I want to exactly know what you're talking about. In order for us to be good teachers, we first have to be good students. If we want to leave a legacy, what are we giving to the generation that's coming behind us? You know what I think so many times? I think as a church, all of us were guilty of this. We rely on a middle person. We rely on a pastor, on a leader to teach us God's word. I think that's cool. That's, I mean, we're doing that today. <laughs> but, 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 but I think we serve a personal God who wants to have a personal relationship with each and every single one of us. You know how many times people approach me and, Pastor, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? Because I'm, I'm sick. And if you pray for me, I'll be healed. Wait a minute. You have just the same access that I do to the God that's in heaven. I'll gladly pray for you, but know that you have access to the throne of grace. You can go before God the Father. You can talk to God yourself. He loves you. He's in love with you. That's what the Bible says. But we got to get in our word. The psalmist is saying, I want you to know your history. I'm about to tell you some important things. How many times do we just rely on a Sunday teaching? We come and we open up the word. We hear a word for 20, 25 minutes, and we, we go home, and we never open up the Bible again. If we're going to be a church of legacy, we have to be learners. If we're going to be a church of legacy, we have to know where we come from. We have to understand the word of God. Let's dig deep. I want Calvary to be a church that knows the Bible, that knows scripture, that knows where to go, that knows where we come from, that understands that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. This is his word. It is true and unchanging. It is infallible. It is the word of God on which we stand on. Oh, come on. Is anybody at the 11 a.m. grateful for the word of God? It is awesome. His promises are kept now and forever, unchanging. Nothing compares to the word of God. Let's not treat the Bible as a book that we only open once a week. Let me see. Today? That's cute. Good. I've done it. We've all done it. The Bible says in the New Testament that the Bereans, a people, a community, they were called the Bereans. It says they were noble because after they heard what the apostles were teaching, they would go home and check. Are we just, telling, are we just receiving what anybody's telling us from here from the platform, including myself? Or do we go home and say, wait a minute, okay, Alex, you told me that. Let me see what you're saying is true. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I want to know God for myself. You have a personal relationship with God. God loves you. He wants you to have a personal relationship with him. How are we going to pass down what we know onto our children? You cannot impart what you do not possess. If you're going to pass something on to your children, you have to know the God that you serve. Come on, look what the Bible says. The Bible says that we have to be um, people who are learners, people who are growing. Look what the Bible says in the book of um, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. It says, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Increase in learning. Come on, let's be a church that is always increasing in learning. Come on. I don't know about you, but I want to increase in my learning. Every single week, I want to learn something new. I want to learn something about God. I want to have a personal relationship with my God. That I don't wait for a pastor. I don't wait for a leader. But me, I'm having my own relationship with God. I'm learning what God is doing in my life. I'm learning who God is. I'm learning what he did with the people of God when they came out of Egypt. I'm learning what he did with Abraham. I'm learning what he did with Jacob. I'm learning what he did in history. I know my history. I know the God that I serve. I read an article the other day that said millennials nowadays don't want to go to church because they believe that our faith is a blind faith. Millennials. There's some millennials in here today. Well, I don't know if I'm still considered a millennial, but millennials. They don't want to go to church because they believe that our faith 
is a blind faith. And it made me think that, that that's absolutely not true. We don't have blind faith. The reason they think it's a blind faith is because they haven't done the background on the Word of God. This is not a blind faith. Like, we just don't read this and, oh, we're praying to an imaginary God, and hopefully he's out there. Out there. God, I hope you hear my words, and I hope Jesus was real. No, it's a real faith. And if we're not careful, if you're just living your life with a blind faith, soon it becomes a dead faith. We're not living off blind faith. We're living off real faith. I've done my homework. I have my own questions. Back in the day, they said, don't question God. No, I had my questions. And I went back and I said, you know what? If you actually study archaeology, if you actually study history, if you actually study prophecy, you see all of this is true. You see historical facts are absolutely true. You see the manuscripts of the Bible go way back. It's not just men. Well, I don't believe the Bible. Men wrote the Bible. No, God wrote the Bible through men. And it is absolutely true. It is infallible, unbreakable. And this is what we stand in. This is the word of God. We have to understand our legacy. Where do we come from? Let's value the past. We're not just a church that said, hey, we're moving forward. No, we value the past. Where we come from as a church, what God has done. Because we believe God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we read that he opened up the Red Sea, then surely he can provide for me today. And if we see that he provided for the people of God, then surely he will heal today. Come on, we know our God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We love our God. We know who he is. We have a personal relationship with our God. And so we have to value our past, learn what God has done. Number two, if we want to be a church of legacy, then we have to, it's not just in us, it's through us. In other words, it's not just what God is doing in us, it's what God wants to do through us. We have to teach what God has done. Teach what God has done. In other words, we can't just be learners, we're going to be a church that are teachers. I love that we're opening up 80 connect groups all over the city. You know why? Because it's not just one person teaching. Now we have 80 teachers all over the city. We're teaching the next generation. We're saying, you know what? It's not just about us. Look what the Bible says in Psalm chapter 78, what we just read, verse 4. It says, we will not hide them. After he says, pay attention to what I'm telling you. After he says, listen closely, he says, we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders that he has done. Oh, we're going to tell the next generation about his deeds, his power, and his wonders. If you have children in here today, I want to tell you, take some time this week. I don't know if you do it, but growing up, my dad always used to gather us as a family on a Monday night, Tuesday night. I don't know when it was, but we knew it was Bible time at home. <laughs> How many of you grew up like that? My dad used to gather us. And he used to gather us to make a, make, make a circle in our family room. And he used to read a, part, a couple verses. And he'd be like, what does that mean to you? I don't know, Dad. I'm five years old. I don't even know what you just read. <laughs> What does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? And then he used to start praying over the family. You know why? Because we're not just people who hold God's blessings. We actually pour out God's blessings to somebody else. Let's not be a reservoir. Let's be a river of God's blessings. What God has done in your life, don't just hold it for yourself. Teach somebody else. The greatest example that we have is Jesus. Jesus didn't walk around earth by himself. He actually grabbed 12 guys who became his best friends. And these guys, he taught them. He left a legacy. And that legacy we still live in today. We are living and standing in the legacy that Jesus left on earth. Come on. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the legacy that he left. He inspired and he taught 12 men who then turned around and started the church of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, in the world today, there's over 2 billion people who call on the name of Jesus. Billions who've gone before us. We're standing on the legacy of Jesus. Who are you bringing alongside of you in the journey of faith? How, how are we going to keep going? How is the next generation going to keep going? How will they go if you and I don't teach? 
The Bible says this in the book of Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. It says, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of who they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? How can they hear unless somebody goes to preach? And it says, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news? Maybe you're thinking, Alex, not my feet. I got corn on my feet. My feet are ugly. My feet are nasty. It's not what the Bible is talking about. The Bible says, if you are a bearer of good news, the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Does anybody like when somebody brings you good news? I always love it. I love when my wife gets home and she's like, babe, you will not believe what just happened today. I have some good news. That just puts a smile on my face. It's different from when she says, babe, we need to have a talk. Oh, no, don't tell me that. But when you receive good news, isn't that amazing? When your boss calls you into his office and he has a smile on his face, it's like, whoo, a raise is coming, a promotion is coming. Look at your boss and say, you have beautiful feet, by the way. I just want to tell you. How beautiful. Come on. We have the message of Jesus Christ, the Savior, that humanity was lost. We were in sin. We were far from God. There was nothing we could do to reach him. But Jesus came down and saved humanity. Come on. We have the best message in the world. How can we keep it to ourselves? We can't just be learners. We have to be teachers. We got to teach the next generation. That's why I love youth. I mean, I'm the biggest promoter of youth. Friday nights is 730. If it was up to me, I'll be here every single Friday. And I love that we have a youth pastor like Phil on, who's passionate about young people. And if it was up to him, he'll be here every single Friday for the rest of his life because he believes in young people. We have to tell the generation that the world is trying to destroy, that the world is trying to bring down, the world is trying to break their identity, the world is trying to confuse who they are. We have to tell them there's a God who loves you, there's a God who made you with a purpose and a plan. We have to be teachers. Come on, church. This is our core value. We're going to believe and we're going to instill the next generation what God has done. And we're always going to tell them the wonders, the deeds, and the power of our God. Come on, gather your family and say, I know you're too young to understand this, but one day you'll understand that God has been faithful to me and your daddy. God has been faithful to me and your mom. We didn't have a way to pay the rent, but God provided. We couldn't turn on the lights, but God provided. We were lost in this country, but God provided. Come on, we serve a God who is faithful, church. I'll never forget growing up those times with my dad where he would gather the family and, and begin to read the word of God over us. And, and then he'll pray over all of us. And I'll never forget him laying hands on us and saying, you are the head and not the tail. You are on top and not beneath. You are anointed and separated. And God has called you. Back then I didn't appreciate it. Back then I didn't understand it. I remember it being sometimes midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning and maybe we're like 9, 8, 10 years old and sleeping in our room, lights off, middle of the night. All of a sudden we'll hear the door open and it was really creepy. <laughs> and it was my parents coming with a big bottle of oil in the middle of the night and they would just pour oil all over their hands and sometimes a little bit too much. <laughs> and I didn't know what they were doing so I just kind of like gave one eye like, oh my God, what's happening? My parents are about to do something to us. I have no idea what it is. And they'll just come whispering, praying. And they'll pour hands on our forehead. And they leave our forehead full of oil and our pillow full of oil. 
But what they were doing is they were passing on what God had done in their life and saying, God, I pray that my children be men of God and women of God. God, I pray that you cover them all the days of their life. I pray that when they go to school, you surround them with angels. I pray that you make them men of faith, men of power. I pray that you make her a woman of God. I pray that you make them faithful. I pray that you keep them all the days of their life. And to this day, I appreciate it. I didn't understand it then, but I understand it now. Come on, it's one of the most valuable things that have ever happened in my life. And although I didn't want it when I was young, today I understand and I appreciate it that they've given me their legacy. And the day that they're gone, I can say there were men and women of God. There were my mom and dad who stood in faith and believed God. I've seen them go through trials. I've seen the wind blow. And I've seen their faith remain. I've seen them standing strong. Come on, this is the legacy that we have. Faithful servants of God. I decided to serve God because I saw faithfulness in a man or woman of God who didn't have everything in the world, but they trusted their God. Grab your children tonight and pray over them. Maybe you're saying, nobody did that with me. Today you start a brand new legacy in your house. Maybe you had a mom and dad that didn't do that. Or maybe you haven't been the best mom and dad yet. You can start today. We have a God of grace that always gives us brand new days, brand new opportunities. The day of tomorrow when me and Diana have 20 kids, that's right, 20. I'm going to do the same thing whether they like it or not. And they better be careful. I'm coming with three gallons of oil. And I'm praying over them. I remember getting to my, my room and seeing handprints of oil all over my walls. Like, what is going on? They were covering us in prayer every single day of their lives. We're not reservoirs. We're rivers of God's blessings. Raise up the next generation behind you and I, pray, I, love, I love Sundays walking in and all over this lobby, outside, seeing young people serve God. I love seeing Dietrich. Dietrich was serving earlier today. I love seeing young people. I tell young people, Friday nights is cool, but Friday night, Friday night exists because Sunday happens. So for a youth group, is cool. But don't forget, we're, we're part of a bigger church, the big C. It's a global church, and you're part of a big church. And you're going to pay an instrumental value in this church. We need to... We need to learn what God has done. We need to teach what God has done. And then last but not least, number three, empower the next generation. And we need to give them what God is doing. In other words, we're not a church that holds on to what God is doing. And we're saying, oh, only through me. Only through me. When we see, a young, people, when we see young people serving, don't say, hey, how can you serve God like that? Fix your pants, boy. Fix your shirt. <laughs> give them what God is doing. Release them into what God is doing. We say we want to have a mighty faith, but we don't want our young people to walk on water. Throw them out there. The other day we went to feed the homeless, and somebody approached me, and they said, Alex, Alex, this guy right here, I think he's ready to give his life to Jesus. Can you come over and present the gospel to him? I said, you can do it. I'm not the only one. God is active, alive today, and he wants to use you to do it. You go and present the gospel and watch what God is doing. He went over, presented the gospel, the guy received Jesus Christ right there. Let's be a church that always passes on what God is doing. We failed if we don't pass on the baton. 
One of, the, one, of the, one of the worst, I think, saddest passages in the Bible is the book of Judges, chapter 2. Look what this says in the book of Judges, chapter 2, verses 7 through 10. It says, the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things that the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, he died at the age of 110. He lived a long, awesome life, served God, all the elders too. And it said they finally buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnah, here in the hill country of Ephraim, north mount of Gash. And it says after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. In other words, after that whole generation died, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor knew what he had done for Israel. I failed one day as a parent if I, if I don't tell my kids what God has done. I fail if, if I don't believe in this youth and tell them that God is a God of miracles and God is a God of wonders and to see his mighty deeds. Let's be a generation that doesn't just learn, doesn't just teach, but we also give and empower. That they can believe God in their own. Let's raise up the next generation around us. As a church, this is our fifth core value. This is something we're always going to do. I'm not going to preach forever. There's mighty men and women of God that can preach here in this church. If we open multiple campuses, I would love to send people over there to preach. Don't depend on one person because there's people here that can teach way better than I do, that are just as anointed, that are just as gifted, more than me, that are better skilled than me, that can better communicate than me. God forbid we ever become those people who said, I'm the, I'm the best door holder here. Nobody can hold a door like me. Yeah, but our young person wants to serve. No, because look at the way I open the door. It's amazing. I know, but young people want to serve too. Let's always trust the next generation, release them, and empower them. Let's believe in people. We're going to be a church that always believes in people. Believe in your children. Tell them to pray big prayers and believe in a big God. Tell them to live big faith, big lives full of bold faith. They would pray and believe, God, you know what? You're going you're to use me to save my whole high school. Yeah, believe that. Why not? Live lives of faith because we serve a big God. So church, this is what we're going to value. And I pray that this week, you take this week, we finish up our series on values. You, you gather as a family. You gather. Maybe it's just you and your wife. Maybe it's you and your husband. Maybe it's just you by yourself. You gather and you say, you know, what are the values in my life? What does God want to do in my life? There's some important values. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, Alex, you're talking about legacy, but man, I come from a messed up past. I come from a broken family. Maybe you're divorced. Maybe you're saying, man, I can't. Today, I believe you can start a brand new legacy for your life. Maybe you come from a line of people who never believed in God, who never went to church. You know what? I believe that today you're going to start a legacy. And I believe that because of you making a decision to serve God, your children are going to serve God. Your children's children are going to serve God. Your children's 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 children are going to serve God. This church is going to be open long after we're gone because we're going to pass it on to the next generation. We're going to pass the baton. And when people pass, drive past the turnpike, they just don't see this auditorium. They see the big auditorium that we're going to build and say, well, our parents had big faith. Our parents believed in a big God. When they see multiple campuses, when they hear Nate singing, I want my child one day to hear songs like in your hands and say, whoa. That was my dad's friend who, you know what, received some lyrics from God and wrote that down. And now it's all over the world. And people are singing it because they believe God. And they stepped out in faith to write songs when nobody else wanted to. And we sang them out. And now people are singing them around the world. Come on, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm way over time. Maybe you're in here today and this is your first time, second time. 
Maybe somebody invited you and you're saying, Alex, you're talking about values and legacy. And I get it. You're talking about the church's values, but I don't know about my life. I'm all over the place. It's okay. You're in the right place at the right time. And I know we were talking about our house values, but I believe that God values your life. And I believe he also put values in your life. We're talking about legacy. And maybe you're saying, Alex, my, my legacy has been messed up. I come from a legacy of divorce. I come from a legacy of broken families. I come from a legacy of just messed up lives. Today, I think you can start a brand new legacy in your life. It starts with a relationship with God. While every eye is closed, while every head is bowed, in a moment of privacy and prayer, concentration. If you're in here, you're saying, Alex, I don't know this guy. I've only been coming for a week, or maybe this is your first time, or maybe you've been coming for a while. You don't have a relationship with God. Today, God wants to start a relationship with you. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. Me and you, we've sinned. We failed God in one way or another. We've offended God. All of us have sinned. There's no perfect person in here. And the Bible says that sin separates us from God, but that God loved us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for you and for me. He carried our sins. He carried our guilt. He carried our shame on the cross. And he gave his life for you and for me. The Bible says, whosoever believes in Jesus will not die but have everlasting life. If you've been living life your own way, if you've been living your life away from God, and you're saying, Alex, I don't have a relationship with God, today you can start a brand new day. The Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow's promise for no man. Life is short. Start a relationship with the God who loves you. He's in love with you. He doesn't care what you did last night, last week, last year. Maybe you're saying, Alex, I'm so ashamed. If, if you only knew what I've done, it doesn't matter. God knows and he loves you still. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. Jesus came, he grabbed all of our sins, went on the cross, gave his life for our sins, then went in the grave for three days. After three days in the grave, he resurrected and he's alive today. He's offering forgiveness. He's offering life. He's offering a brand new beginning. I'm going to count to three in a moment. I believe some hands are going to go up all over this auditorium. People who are saying, I want a brand new relationship with God. I'm just going to acknowledge you. I'm going to see you, and then you can put it right back down. If that's you, at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Then you can put it right down, and we're going to pray together. Some hands are already going up. One, two, three. Raise your hand all over this auditorium. All over this auditorium. I see you. God bless 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 you. I see 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 you. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. God bless you. Amazing. Amazing. All of you who raise your hand, I'm going to say a simple prayer. And all we're doing through this prayer is just putting our faith and our trust in Jesus. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. This first prayer, I'm just making it easy for you to talk to God. But you can talk to God any place, anywhere, however you like. He's waiting to hear from you. In fact, the whole church, we're going to repeat this out loud. We're going to say it with you. We're talking to God and we're asking him to come into our life, to forgive us of our sin, to start a relationship with him. Say this with me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, come on, say this with me. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, that you died for my sins. And on the third day, you rose from the dead. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my savior. From today on, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am healed. And I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.